good morning, everybody. Um, I hope he had a good night's rest <laughs> after the storm this morning. I couldn't believe it. Um, I woke up at 3.30 or 4, I believe, something like that, and man, was it blowing out. And uh, so, and from uh, driving to church this morning, I uh, see some of the damage to the trees. The trees really took a hit in the town, didn't they? Wow. But everybody was safe. I was talking to a few people. Some people are out of electricity yet, I understand. So, uh, and we, we were out of electricity, too, and this church was this morning. But um, they got it going again for us, so uh, praise the Lord for that. Um, Carol and I have been a resident of the city of Isle Falls for 12 years now, and that's hard to believe. Uh, those years go by fast. And uh, we enjoy living in your town. And, uh, and we, I think we've been part of this church maybe eight or nine years, been members of this church. And both Carol, my wife, and I, we, we just consider it just a, a, a privilege and a blessing to be a part of this body of believers. And I, I hope everybody here this morning feels that same way. Uh, Matthew 18 uh, verse 20 states that where two or more gather in my name, I am there among you. So no matter where we may be, uh, Pastor Jeremy and Mark, they're halfway across the world, I guess, right now. And uh, God is present with them. If we are at our homes or are at our workplaces, if we're traveling, God is present with us. And God is present with us here today, isn't he, in this uh, building. Uh, and we need to thank him for that. It's a gift that he has given us. So uh, let's uh, open our service uh, this morning with a word of prayer. In this moment, Lord, we, we come to you. And we lay ourselves before thee, Lord. We ask that you will dwell within us. We ask, Lord, that you will uh, equip us, that you will challenge us, that you will comfort us, Lord. We especially thank thee for the gift of thy son, Lord, the gift that you gave for your son to come upon this earth, Lord, and to walk with us, your son who came here to, to uh, teach us, your son who came uh, just to give us guidance, Lord, but uh, the original purpose of your son was the fact that he walked to the cross and he died for each one of us, Lord, and he gave us that gift of salvation, and we just thank thee for that, Lord, for that gift. We pray, Lord, at this time that we will be able to just to put the thoughts of the day aside, the thoughts maybe of our work or, or maybe of the storm last night. Just put them aside just for a few minutes, Lord, and help us just to uh, concentrate on thee, Lord. This we do pray in thy name. The title of my 
message this morning, as you, is prayer and God's grace. And we have some beautiful songs dealing with God's grace this morning, and we'll talk about that in, in our message this morning. But the text that I would like to read is taken out of Second Corinthians, and if you would like, we, we open your Bibles to that part, Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10. And as is the custom in our church, that when we read God's word, that we stand if you're able. So will you please stand? This is 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through uh, 10. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming uh, conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it which should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The grass weathers and the flowers fall, but the word of God is forever. Amen. You may be seated. Around 1967, 1970, maybe many of you weren't born then, but there was a songwriter by the name of Paul Simons. He was a musician and a songwriter. And he wrote a song entitled Bridge Over Troubled Waters. And he originally wrote the song, he wanted to write a gospel song, a gospel hymn. And the lyrics, uh, if you read it, pertain to someone who uh, was trying to give comfort to those in the need, uh, people that are in need. Well, his song turned out not to be a gospel hymn, it, hymn rather. It became a very popular song, a pop contemporary type song, and it's a very classic song today. But between the years of 2000 and 2009, five years, I had a lot of troubled waters in my life. I was faced with three life health situations, and um, the troubled waters, I needed to navigate through them. And the bridge that I had to do that, people, is the faith that I had in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I would like to just go through a few, three of, uh, of the, the things that uh, confronted me in those five years and talk about how the Lord led us, myself, and my family through those things. Um, I'll start out in 2004. My wife and I, we lived on the farm yet south of Ackley, and uh, I was diagnosed 
with uh, prostate cancer. I was 59 years old. And we chose to go to the university hospital in Iowa City because we have had some past experiences there. And we chose to do surgery. And we had the surgery, everything went fine. Uh, it took me maybe six, five, six, seven weeks to recover from that and I was able to go back to work and doing what I normally do. Now, this is a story about how, what I wanted to tell you about uh, this incident. When they do surgery, generally they do a pathology report. Uh, they will take tissues around the infected area and uh, see if the cancer has spread beyond the original site. And they did that, and the report came back, and the doctor told us what the report was. The, the tissue samples were negative. There was no cancer cells. So that was good news. But they also took 28 of my lymph nodes, and one out of 28 came back positive. So we had to make a decision what to do uh, if we wanted to do further treatment. So we came back home. We talked to our doctors here about it. And we prayed about it, Carol and I did, and, and other people did too. And we went back to Iowa City, and uh, the, the surgeon at this time said it was up to us. Now, this was his report to us. He said we had a 30% chance of the cancer being cured. Well, I'm not very good at math, but I know that 70% is telling me it may not be cured, right? So we just didn't know what to do. So we decided through prayer and listen to the doctors that we just would uh, wait, see what happens. If uh, my PSA count went up, we would go to the next uh, type of treatment, which was radiation. Okay, it's been 12 years, and my PSA is zero for 12 years, people. Isn't that something? And uh, I wrote, do we have that slide? Okay, on the, on the bottom of that slide there, I wrote what some people would say to me, well, Bob Regan, you were lucky. Your cancer didn't come back. You were one of the 30%. Or they would say, hey, you had a pretty good doctor, you know, uh, he did a good job of the surgery. But my answer to each one of those was, there. Both of them were wrong. I wasn't lucky because Bob Regan is not a very lucky guy throughout life. Uh, and I think the doctors were good wherever you would go, whatever, hospital or clinic or whatever. It was by prayer and by God's grace that I was healed of that disease. See, it wasn't any of the above. About a year and a year and a half after surgery, we got we went we needed to go back and uh, every month, three months, whatever, to Iowa City for checkups. And we sometimes you don't get to see the surgeon; you would see a resident or an intern or someone like that. But this time we got to see the surgeon again. His name was was Doctor Canetti. 
and um, we discussed what was my uh, what had happened over the last year. We talked about the surgery, and that my PSA PSA level was zero. And the doctor said, I am very surprised that it stayed at zero after you had a positive lymph node. And we talked a little bit more, and then I started to say, well, I, I wanted to thank him for the surgery he did and the work he did. And, uh, and then I just thanked him for saving my life, and he did through surgery. And you know what his reply was to me? What do you think? He said, it wasn't me, but it was the hand of God working through me. I sat there a minute. I wasn't expecting that. And I said, amen. Right on, wasn't he? It was anything that we did, it was anything the doctor did, it was the hand of God. And I said, as I said in the bottom there, it's by prayer, God's answering our prayer, my, our prayer, and it was God's grace that healed me of that disease. It's 12 years, and I think after seven years or 10 years, they say you're a cure of the cancer. Okay. That's one. Two. <laughs> uh, about three, four years later, uh, my son and I, we were working outside, first part of September, end of August, when we riot, and it was a hot day. And we were sorting animals to be sold the next day. And I just, man, I just did not feel good. It just felt like somebody had their foot in my chest, and I couldn't breathe. And um, we had this uh, cement wall I sat on there, and we were about done anyway, and I s sat there a while, and I finally said to her, I, I'm going to go in the shop and sit a minute and get some water out of the fridge and uh, cool off. I did that, and I sat uh, in the shop a while, and uh, then my son came in, and I said, well, I think I'm going to go home. And... Uh, take a nice cool shower and relax, you know. I said, I'll be okay. You know, that's a man's thing, I guess. You don't want any help. So we, uh, uh, I took off in the car, and at that time we lived in Owl Falls then. And uh, Owl Falls is like 10, 12 miles from the farm. I got halfway to Owl Falls, and my chest started really to hurt. And I thought, oh, man. So I said, Lord, I don't want to go to the hospital because I just got out of that two, three years ago. I don't want to go through that experience again. I mean, just, just make it so I can get home, take a cool shower, relax, I'll be okay. It wasn't a mile down that road, and then my chest really started to pound, people. <sighs> okay, Lord, take that prayer back, will you? I, I need a new prayer. Just help me make it to the hospital. And the Lord answered that prayer. I made it to the hospital, and that car drove into that driveway of the hospital, into that ER. Uh, they got me on a gurney, and I, uh, they got me uh, stabilized. 
and took some tests and indicated I needed to go on somewhere else. And they kept me overnight because it was later on in the afternoon and they got me stabilized anyway. The next morning I went to Mercy um, in Des Moines. Anyway, we had uh, an angiogram in uh, Des Moines when I got there. My main artery had two blockages, and each blockage was 90%. So, and then I had uh, another artery that had 40 to 50% blockages. But just think of that. I had the stents done, uh, everything went fine, I feel great. But you know, look up here again. Was I lucky? Man, I was lucky. That could have been a lot worse. Did I have a good doctor? Yeah, I had a really good doctors. And I, over the years, doctors that deal with heart disease and stuff, they're really sharp people. <laughs> and uh, I have a granddaughter here from Des Moines today that she has, she's nine years old and she had two open heart surgeries already. And those doctors there in Des Moines, they are really sharp. But it wasn't any of that yet. It wasn't the doctors. It wasn't luck. It was by God's grace that I made it through that without a heart attack or even death, people. It was God's grace. Okay, one year after that, this is number three. And I always say the best to last, don't we? This is a... And one year later, I was... Uh, I was having trouble in my left eye. It was like it was burning, and uh, I went to uh, to the doctor, eye doctor, trying to figure out what was going on. It took me six, seven, eight months before we finally figure out what was going on because they would try different types of medicine treatments, and finally we did a scan and an MRI, and I, they found a, a tumor behind my left eye. And um, we uh, elected to go to Iowa City to their eye department. They wanted me to do surgery on that eye to remove that tumor. And we chose to do that. And uh, we uh, uh, they did the surgery. They were unsuccessful in removing that tumor. The tumor was wrapped around my optic nerve and there was muscles and they were afraid if they removed that tumor I would lose eyesight in my left eye and maybe even in my right eye. So uh, they took tissue samples from that. The pathology report came back, stated it was malignant. It was a carcinoid cell cancer. And uh, you probably have, not, have never heard of it. It's a very rare form of cancer. One out of every 250,000 people uh, a year comes down, come down, diagnosed with that disease. So it's a very rare form of cancer. Uh, I was told to come back and in a few weeks to do some scans. And the regular scans, like a CAT scan and MRI scans, don't pick this up. So uh, they use nuclear type medicine. 
they inject isotope type medicine into your veins and uh, it will detect this type of cancer in the cell, cancer cells. So that's, I did that. Uh, it was maybe a day, day and a half to do that. Uh, very tedious, slow process, but we got it done. And uh, then we had a report to an oncologist by the name of Dr. Clayman. And we did that. We went to his room, uh, his office, and he reported that uh, they found cancer, I mean, virtually throughout my whole body, my, uh, just various sites, numerous sites. And the, the primary source of the tumor was on my small bowel on the outside of my small intestine large tumor. So the doctor informed us at the time that there was no cure for your disease. It's a very rare form, uh, no treatment for it. Uh, we asked him about my life expectancy and uh, or else he told us, I'm not sure, but he said maybe three to five years at that time. So we left that we left that room uh, we went back to into the waiting room of the oncology department and uh, we, there was an open bench so Carol and I sat there and we looked at each other didn't say a word and I looked around in that visitors in that waiting room I guess it is just looked at people and many people and they were sick. Many of them, you know, they lost their hair from chemo treatments and uh, very thin people, their color were not good. Uh, and I just, I just wasn't prepared for what that doctor told me. Uh, I knew before we went, we knew that what type of cancer I had and the pathology report, but yet I just was hoping there would be some hope, something to do, some treatment, something there wasn't. Um, we were sent back home. Uh, we left, went back home, and uh, just got home like 7, 7.30, and the doorbell rang and it was Pastor Bacon and his wife. And he came in and we had told him what occurred that day. And uh, we had a good talk. Pastor read scripture, God's word, and then we had prayer. And boy, I needed all three of those people. I just really needed that. And, uh, you know, God's word is a two-edged sword, isn't it? That one edge of the sword sometimes tells us to shape up, to change our ways. I needed that. And the other side of that sword tells us about God's love, about his comfort. He gives us the assurance that he's always there with us when we need him. And I needed both sides of that sword that day, that message.
after that, it was about, we were in flux sort of for six to nine months. We just didn't know what to do because Iowa City said there was no more they could do. Um, and my health was getting deteriorating and I was losing weight and very, had really trouble eating and digesting food and the, my, uh, uh, I, I assume my tumor on my small bowel was affecting all that. Now something changed and th this is a wonderful story people, something changed. I don't know if you people believe in angels, and I think you do. The Bible talks about angels over 200 times in the Old and New Testament at different times where the angels help the Lord or the angels appear to people. Uh, and I think there's two types of angels, those that you see, visible angels, and those you don't see, the invisible ones. And I want to talk about the visible angels in your life and in my life. And I, those are people that come into their life, they're s sort of, sometimes they're, you're not expecting it, and sometimes you are, I guess. But they change things for you. They make things better. And the first set of angels that I wanna talk about are a group of three or four men that came over to my house one evening and they were the elders of this church with the pastor. And again, we, ran, we, we read scripture, God's word, but they, and then they came over and they laid hands on each other and on me. And they prayed about, uh, they prayed about healing, they prayed about giving me comfort, they prayed about giving me peace, they prayed about if, if it's God's will to remove the, this, this, this disease or cancer that I had. They prayed about if there was any type of help, that uh, medical help anywhere just to help us out. That was their prayer. And I am convinced that the prayers of these elders that night, I am convinced with the help of the Holy Spirit that these prayers were lifted up to God. God heard our prayers and their prayers and those prayers were answered because after this things started to change. I'm eternally grateful to those elders for coming over and doing that. My daughter, who lives in Johnson, Kelly, who's here today, thank you for coming, honey, uh, found a site, soon after this, she found a site on the internet, a medical clinic that just handled carcinoid cell patients. And it was in Omaha at the University of Nebraska, well, the University of Nebraska Hospitals at Omaha. And we called them up. We got an appointment to see them. And the second 
angel I want to talk about is a lady by the name of Lucy. And I have no idea what her last name is. But this gal named Lucy was a, sort of like a liaison between the medical center and us. And she, any time of the day, any time of night, whenever, if we had any questions, we called Lucy up. And she would get us help. She would give us answers. And that was something we never had. We, we, we were just searching for anything, just some answers to help. How do we cope with this or how do we do this? You see, what a beautiful lady. I'll, I'll never forget her. And the third angel is a guy by the name of Dr. Botha. He was a South African, and he was uh, a transplant surgeon. And he had it in his heart to start this carcinoid cell clinic in Omaha. But he was a very, very skilled surgeon. And when we visited him, he says, Bob, we need to take out that tumor in your small intestine. If we don't do it, you're going to lose your digestive system entirely if we don't do something about that. And I'm going to try to do it and, and uh, hope for that it is successful when we do it. We did it. We chose to do surgery. I was in the hospital for three weeks in Omaha. And uh, I could not eat or drink anything for three weeks because nothing was going through my small bowel. And they say when you have s that type of surgery, that, that bowel or small gut will sort of go to sleep and needs to wake up. And we were waiting for it to wake up for three weeks. <laughs> but it was, a, it was a great three weeks. I, I've never... I'll, uh, I know I don't like being in a hospital, but it was a great time. It was a great time to be with my wife. We, we just had such a wonderful time of, of uh, being together, having fellowship, and reading God's word, and having prayer. And our kids came over and stayed some nights. And just, I'll never forget that. It was a great time. But after three weeks, my small bowel woke up, put it that way. I was able to go home. I'm doing great. Um, the people in Omaha wanted me to go overseas because they do these, they do treatments for carcinoid uh, patients overseas, and we did that. We went to Germany two times, twice, and that it's a, a nuclear med treatments in the blood, and uh, I say they fry. I, I did, they have different terminology in that, but they, they try to fry or, you know, the tumor to destroy it. And they did. They, and uh, I still have three active areas, people, uh, that, that are inoperable, but they are in remission right now. But we re really eliminated quite a few other areas. So uh, uh, that's my status. And that's been... Uh, I've been seven years since I've been diagnosed and five years since treatment. So, uh, I want to talk about uh, the thing that 
I wrestle with. Uh, and this question that I, has been brought up to me and that I think about a lot. Why has the Lord allowed me to survive not one of these things, not two of these things, but three of these situations in my life, health situations? Now, I know, I know of people that have died from prostate cancer. In fact, one of our, my, our best friends died a few years ago from, it, from that disease. And I'm sure you guys all know of individuals that have died from that type of cancer. I've known people that have had heart disease, and the outcome has not been good. They uh, either had heart attacks or, or uh, lost their life because of heart disease. And we have become friends with people uh, since we had this carcinoid disease that uh, have passed away because of it. So why has Bob Regan survived all three of them up to this time? Well, I think if you look at the scripture lesson that I read to you, maybe we can explain a little bit. And uh, this morning, uh, Paul talks about, in Second Corinthians here, about a thorn in his side. And we don't know what that thorn is. The scripture doesn't tell us what that is, but it's some type of ailment. And I really think it's something that slowed Paul down. Paul was a very energetic person. He wanted to get the message of God, the message of God's salvation to whoever he could. But I think his thorn is in his side to slowing him down. And in this scripture text, he writes or talks about asking the Lord three times, three times, if he, the Lord would remove this thorn from his side, this ailment. And in verse 9 was the Lord's reply here. The Lord answered and said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Again, he says, my grace is sufficient for you. God did not remove the thorn, did he, from his side, from Paul's side, but he gave Paul the grace to bear the thorn in his side. God is in control of our lives. There are times when the God will say yes to our prayers, and there's times when God will say no to our prayers. But at all times, God is in control of things. Uh, the verse goes on here. Last part 
of scripture uh, in verse 10. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, and persecutions, and calamities. Here Paul says, I am content. He says, there's nothing I can do about this storm on my side. I accept it. Life goes on, doesn't it? And when we get a disease, too, you know, we, we need to be, life goes on. We need to be content about it. And that's what Paul says uh, in this uh, verse 10. And then the last part is very interesting in this, uh, in the last part of verse 10. He says, when I am weak, then I am strong. And that's just the opposite. I was thinking about uh, there is a uh, uh, a few years ago by the person by the name of Lance Armstrong. He was a he uh, won the Tour de France like uh, I don't know what it was two three times maybe more, and he encouraged or inspired a lot of people because he also was fighting cancer, but he had a model, he would say, to live strong. And it, it, people remember that? To live strong. And he was doing it by telling people to exercise, to uh, uh, get on your bikes, uh, lift weights, do whatever you see, to live strong, to fight cancer. Well, here we have God saying to Paul, he says, in the last part of verse 10. For when I am weak, I am strong, you see. It was just the opposite. That's what Lance Armstrong was telling people here. So, uh, in closing here, uh, Start out by talking to you about a song written by Paul Simons, The Bridge Over Troubled Waters. And uh, God was that bridge, my faith, our family's faith, and, and God was that bridge over those troubled waters. God gave us the life jacket to keep afloat in those troubled waters. God gave us the lifeboat to uh, keep us uh, so we could travel through those troubled waters. And God gave us here the path, the direction, the path in which to follow through those troubled waters. It was God who did that, you see. And if you remember anything uh, this morning, about the message, just remember these three words that I talked about. It was prayer, and it's God's grace. And if you have those three, you can make it through anything you see in life. And uh, I hope that through life, that you, any of you will never have to face these things that I talked about this morning, but I, I'm pretty sure that... Uh, uh, because of life and the situation we're in, we will have to face some type of diseases in our life. But I hope
hope you don't have to face three in a row. <laughs> so uh, just please remember those words. It's prayer and by God's grace. Okay, and if the uh, praise team would like to come up, I asked them to sing uh, the song uh, entitled It Is Well With My Soul. It was written by Rachel Stafford in the 1800s. Rachel was a very well-known lawyer in Chicago, uh, very wealthy, prominent individual. And, uh, but the best part of him, he was a devout Christian. But he was a modern-day Job. Rachel lost six of his children. Rachel lost all his wealth because of the fire that was in Chicago, the Great Fire of 1871. He lost everything. And then because of his bad luck, I guess you would call it, the things that were happening to him, his church ousted him from their church because they thought he was bad luck. Think about that. But when he lost his four children at sea uh, in a shipwreck, he lost his four daughters at sea. He wrote this song, It Is Well With My Soul, you see. So when we sing this song, or when they sing this song, the worship team, remember who wrote it, how he wrote it, and how it can help us through our life. 